Good evening, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And before we get started tonight, we're going to pray. We've got a lot of folks tonight in our congregation that are homesick. And so we need to pray for them. So if you would, let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray right now for everyone and our church family that's sick. We pray for your complete healing in their life. Father, I pray right now you will move mightily in their spiritual life. You move mightily in their physical life. Lord, by your stripes, I proclaim your healing on all of our sick members at River of Life. I pray that you will breathe your breath of life into their lungs and in their being tonight. So they're going to feel refreshed and renewed as they hear your word being proclaimed. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our divine healer. And Jesus, we pray that you will be Jehovah Rapha, the great healer, and you will heal our family and all those who are sick. Now, Lord, I pray you will open up our hearts to your word. And I pray that you will speak into our lives so that we may truly be grounded in your word and grounded in faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight I want to speak to you on the subject called complete healing. Complete healing. Have you ever read a passage of scripture? And after you read it, it left you somewhat questioning and confused. Well, tonight we're going to look at a passage of scripture and probably after we read it, you're going to have some questions and maybe a little bit of confusion. And as I begin to explain it, you may even get more confused, but prayerfully by the end, it will become crystal clear in your heart and in your life. And trust me, we've all been here. We've all read passages of scripture in the Bible where we just kind of like this guy, we scratch our head and go, okay, Lord, I don't get that. Uh, Holy Spirit, please reveal to that, make it clear. And this is one of these passages tonight that on the surface, it will seem a little perplexing, a little confusing. And then as we go through it, hopefully and prayerfully, it will be illuminating uh, to you. So Mark chapter eight, here we go. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the blind man's eyes again And his eyes were opened, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Now, when we look at verses 24 and 25, to me, this is a little confusing. Jesus lays his hands on a blind man. And he says, can you see? And he said, yes, but it is blurry. I see people like trees walking around. And then we notice that Jesus lays his hands 
on the blind man again, and this time he sees crystal clear. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little perplexing to me. Like, Lord, you didn't do it the first time? I mean, what's going on here? Why did it take you two times for this man to see clearly? That may not be confusing to you, but for me, that's confusing. When I think of the God of the universe, that when he speaks, the worlds came into being. When he speaks, life comes into being. But yet it takes two times for this guy to be healed. I'm a little confused. So as we get started, here's what I want you to understand. If you don't hear anything else tonight, I hope that you will grasp this very clearly. Every verse in the word of God... Every verse in the Bible can stand on its own two feet. In other words, when I take Genesis 1-1, when I take John 3-16, when I take Romans 8-28, whatever verse I take out of the Bible, it should be able to stand on its own two feet. It's independent. It should live up to what it says. However, every verse in the Bible is interdependent on all the other verses of the Bible. What that means is they all have to line up together. They all have to support one another. They can't contradict each other. So we have a verse by itself will stand all by itself. It's independent. You'll never have to worry about that when you proclaim one verse of the Bible. However, when we talk about this one verse of the Bible, this one verse of the Bible has to agree. It has to line up. It has to be in in line with every other verse in the Bible. They can't contradict one another. And God's word will never do that. We see this more and more today where we're going to have pastors. They'll pull a verse out of the Bible. They're going to make a theological claim. And then that theological claim will contradict other, every other verse in the Bible. Which means that can't be true. Because all the verses in the Bible agree with one another. They line up with each other. And they defend each other. So with that being said is then the question for us is... <laughs> Why wasn't this man healed the first time? Why wasn't he? I'm going to give you kind of three reasons what I think. And and you can have a little bit of fun with me. So the first reason is this. Maybe Jesus was just having an off day. I mean, you know, he's 100% man too. I mean, he's 100% God. He's 100% man. Maybe Christ was having an off day. Have you ever had an off day? Did you ever not quite live up to your potential, your expectations? The problem with that is Jesus never has an off day, ever. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And in the presence of him whom you believe in the presence of Jesus, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. So what we're learning is that when the Lord speaks... Even though it's not in existence, it will be now because he spoke it. Does that make sense? Whatever God proclaims comes true, period. There is no denial. You can't get around that. So in other words, if I were to say, God were to speak and say, today, Chuck's going to be a pink elephant. Regardless of what I'd like, I'd be turned into a pink elephant. Because every word that God speaks is true. He can't violate that. So here we have him laying hands on a man, but yet he's not healed. But what we do know is that he's not having an off day because Jesus never, ever has an off day. And just to back that up, do you remember there's a, a story of a healing in the Bible in Roman, I mean Luke chapter 7. It's about a Roman centurion. 
that came to Jesus and he said, I've got a servant that is dying. And Jesus said, okay. And he says, I'm not worthy to be in your presence, Lord. All you have to do is say the word. And guess what? He said the word. And even though he wasn't anywhere near this fella, guess what happened? He was healed. So we know excuse number one that Jesus was having an off day doesn't work. How about number two? Maybe it was this man's lack of faith. Possibly. I mean, maybe he was at the crossroads of life. Maybe he was not even trying to figure out what Jesus was doing or not. Here's what you find interesting about the story. Let's go back and read the verse. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, that means Jesus and the disciple, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. Notice this guy wasn't even coming for healing. It was almost as if he was minding his own business and they're like, hey, Dave, guess what, buddy? Today, we're going to take you someplace. He wasn't even looking for healing, but they brought him to him anyway. Well, that's good. Think about that. There were times when you weren't looking for Jesus at all and he met you and he changed you. But what we have to understand is that this man's faith had nothing to do with Jesus not healing him. Because when God wants to heal you, he'll heal you. When God wants to do a work in your life, he's going to do it. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what you believe, the Lord is sovereign. And when he says it and when he does it, it is so. This man's faith had nothing to do with the lack of healing here. Well, how about point number three? (laughs) And this is probably the most popular belief out right now. Maybe this was to somehow show that healings are a progression. Sometimes they take time to happen. Maybe this twofold purpose was a part of Jesus just saying, you know, sometimes it's going to take a little while to be healed. After all, with our physical body, sometimes it takes a little while to heal. But that's not the case. Never will be the case. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. In other words, time is irrelevant to Jesus. The only reason time was ever made was for me and you. Time means nothing to the Lord. That's why it's hard for you and I to grasp eternity. Because we are set on time. Now, I'm, I'm the world's worst about being time-oriented. Every, I live and die by the clock. And those who have been around me long enough, they'll tell you, he lives and dies by the clock. That'll be probably one of the hardest things for me to get used to when I die one day and go to be with the Lord, is having no time, no reference to go by. Jesus has no reference. But let me go even to this further point is that this is the only miracle that Jesus performs that took two times. All the rest of them were instantaneous. So why is it just this one time? Is this guy the exception to the rule? Is, is he trying to teach us something here? What's, what's really going on in this story? And, and I'm going to explain what's really going on. So here it is. So why then did this man see people like trees unclearly and then Jesus lays his hand on the second time and then he sees everything crystal clear? Anybody have a thought? Let me give you my thought and I'm going to probably make you more confused when I tell you. Here's my thought. Because there were actually two different healings that took place. Now I'm sure you're really confused by that now, aren't you? I told you it would get a little confusing before it got clear. I really believe that you're going to see two complete healings in this story. 
And I'm going to give you scriptures to help see that and to help why I believe that. What I want to do, first of all, I want to give you the lesser of the two healings. You know, sometimes there is like a number one and a number two. And so what I want to do right now is give you number two first. I want to give you the lesser of the two. The one that I feel is not as important as the first one. So here's number two. The first one is this. The second one, I would say, is that it it was a physical healing. And that's what we read in verse 25. It says, when Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, notice that his eyes were opened. Up until this point, his eyes weren't open. His eyes were opened and his sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. So what we see in verse 25 is that this blind man received physical healing. I don't know if he was born with eyesight and lost it. I don't know if he was born blind and now receives it. That I don't know. But what I do know from this passage is that this man was blind and now he can see. In case you don't know, over two thirds of Jesus's ministry was on physical healing. Do you know Jesus spent more time in his three-year ministry healing people than anything else? That was what he was doing. He wanted to heal people physically to prove his sovereignty, to prove his power, and to show how much he loved and how much he cared for them. I mean, think about that. You and I probably pray more and more today for physical healing than anything else. God, I'm sick. I need healing. Lord, I've got a family member that's sick. I need, they need healing. And God wants to heal them. Does he heal them all the time? No, because that may not be in his will. But the Lord spends two-thirds of his earthly ministry healing. So let me just give you some examples. So first of all, Peter's mother-in-law has a high fever. She is very, very sick. And Peter tells Jesus, hey, my mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus goes to the house. He proclaims healing on her. And immediately, and that's what I want you to understand, the immediately her fever leaves her. And guess what she does? She makes dinner for him. And that's my kind of woman right here. Look at her. She gets even. I know you ladies probably make supper even when you're sick. This lady was lying in the bed with a high fever. Jesus prays over instantaneously. She's healed. And then she makes some dinner. Another one is this. Jesus meets a lame man in Bethsaida, just laying by the pool. He hasn't walked his entire life. And of course, the interesting scenario is Jesus says, do you want to walk? And, and that's kind of a weird question. I mean, here's the guy lame. He's, he's never walked. And you're going to ask him the most, you know, rhetorical question ever. Do you want to walk? And of course, the man says, yes. And Jesus, of course, says, rise up and walk. And guess what? It took him some time. No. Immediately he got up and not only did he get up and walk, he got up and started praising the Lord. And when he started praising the Lord, then the Pharisees got upset because it was on the Sabbath day and they cornered this guy trying to lay the blame on him. And, and just to give you a real quick summary, I love what this guy says. Here, Listen, you can say what you want. All I know is this man, Jesus laid hands on me and I'm a walking, loving, singing, praising man. And he was done. So we have that. How about a blind man? We just read where this blind man has been healed. Are you seeing this woman with a fever, a man that can't walk, a man that can't see? How about to be sentenced to death as a leper? Because if you were had leprosy in the Bible, 
you were pretty much done for, over with. Jesus meets a leper, tells him to go to the Pharisees and say that you've been healed. And as the man began to walk away from Jesus, guess what happened? His hand, his skin became like a little baby's skin, soft and as clean as it could be. Also, how about raising a dead man back to life? Now, this is a scary one here. I, this is one of these stories that it could only be in the Bible. So Jesus is walking along the road. There is a funeral procession going by him. Lays his hand on the casket, and the young man sits up and starts talking and gets out of the casket and lives. So to me, as, as kind of a funny, I'm thinking, so here's Jesus. He raises one man from the dead, and more than likely there's 10 or 15 now that have died of a heart attack. Because they have seen a lame man, I mean a dead man, raised from the dead. And of course, then we have Lazarus. And this is the key because Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Jews believed up until three days a man could be brought back to life after four it was over with. In fact, when he was at the tomb, remember they said, listen, Jesus, we know you're, you're who you are, but he's going to be stinking, man. You probably don't want to call him out. And, of course, he calls Lazarus out. And the good thing he said Lazarus, because if he just said arise and walk, probably every one in that cemetery would have got up and walked. What I want you to see from all of these healings that we're looking at is that they all happened instantaneously. There was no wait. There was no delay. When Jesus spoke into their life, when Jesus did what he did, these people immediately were healed. And so we see that the second one is healing. Now, are you ready for the first one? The first one is this, spiritual healing. He not only healed this man physically, he healed this man spiritually. And I'll give you scripture to back that up. Let's remember what Jesus came on earth to do. He came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, Jesus's primary function and focus in your life and my life is not physical. It's spiritual. And so often you and I focus on the physical more than we do the spiritual. And what Jesus wants us to understand tonight is that we need to be more focused on our spiritual health rather than our physical health. And too many times we're so focused on our physical health that the spiritual gets neglected too. And we've got to be careful not to do that. So let's look at this again. Here's the spiritual aspect. The man looked around. He said, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees. Now, that's an interesting comment. They look like trees. Once again, the Bible is silent, whether this man was born blind or whether he had eyesight and was blind. But one thing I'll kind of lean towards, if he had been born blind, what did he know what a tree looked like? I mean, think about that. I mean, a person who's born deaf doesn't know what a C note sounds like. They can hear bass, but they don't know the individual notes. If somebody is born, they kind of have a visualization of what things may. But what we know is this man makes it pretty clear that the people that he could see look like trees. And of course, as we just discussed the physical, that when he rubbed his hands on the eyes of this man the second time, he says his eyes were open. And that's the key. His eyes were opened. 
One goes interior, one goes exterior, and he can see clearly. Here's what you need to know. Trees in the Bible are a reference to man's spiritual nature or man's spiritual condition. That's what trees represent. Trees are that very thing. So if you go back and understand, he says they look like trees walking around. He's not really talking about a physical attribute. He's talking about a spiritual attribute. And we need to understand that because the trees that he's talking about aren't really trees. They're a representation of trees. And let me go back and repeat this one more time. So as I begin this, you'll understand that every verse in the Bible is independent. So I've just told you that the man says, this is what I see. I see people walking around like trees. Now I'm taking that verse and I'm making a claim. And my claim is this. He's not literally talking physical. He's talking spiritual. That's what this man has seen. Now, in order for that to be true, I must then what? I must back it up with scripture, right? And that's what I'm going to begin to do. I'm going to begin to clarify this healing. Why this man had not one but twice that Jesus touched him because the first time he touched him was for spiritual healing. The second time he touched him was for physical healing. And you need to understand that Jesus always wants to touch you first spiritually, then he'll touch you second physically. Trees can represent a righteous person. This is what it says in Psalms 1 verse 3. They are, meaning people are like what? They're like trees. Planted along the riverbank. And they do what? They bear fruit every season. Their leaves never wither. And they prosper in all they do. Now once again. He's not saying that a person. You know is sprouting fruits. All of us. What he's saying is. A righteous person will always be bearing fruit. A righteous person. Is never going to have what we call a downtime. Where they just have left the Lord. And they're just completely off focus. A righteous person will walk with the Lord all the days of their life. A righteous person that everything they touch will prosper because they're righteous. And they're compared to a what? A tree. But guess what? It also pertains to the wicked. I have seen the wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. Now notice the psalmist still makes the same claim. He sees a righteous person like a tree. And then he also sees a wicked person that he says he is flourishing in its native soil. Now, I don't want to go too deep into this verse. I'm just going to give, kind of give you a highlight of that. Notice the word is native soul. Because you and I will always flourish in sin in our native behavior. We are born sinners. And if we stay in our natural state of life. If we stay in the soil where we were born, then all we're going to be is wicked and ruthless. God has to basically pull us out and put us in new soul. Now, that's interesting, right? Because if remember, if we go into the New Testament, Jesus teaches this wonderful parable about the sower and the seed. And the whole purpose of the, the parable is not about the seed or the sower. It's about the what? The soil. Notice how the soul lines up. See, the Bible is always going to be independent each verse, but it's going to be interdependent on every verse. So we can see the righteous compared to a tree. We can see the riches. Let's go on further with the righteous. 
He says, I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. Notice again that the psalmist makes claim that a righteous man is like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. You know where you're going to thrive the most in life? It's not by yourself. It's going to be in the house of God because you're going to have fellow believers that want to help you, that want to encourage you, that want to will provoke you, that will keep you accountable. Where we're going to thrive the most in life is not on our own. It's not out on the dock. It's not in the woods. It's going to be in the house of God with fellow believers who will love us, who will encourage us, who will talk straight to us and keep us accountable. How about the wicked? This is what Isaiah says. The people are like dead branches of a tree broken off and used for kindling beneath the cooking pots. Israel is a foolish and stupid nation for its people have turned away from God. Therefore, the one who made them will show them no pity or mercy. So now we once again see that we're comparing the wicked to a tree. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and they will grow strong like cedars of Lebanon. And I, and I like that he, he makes that comparison because I don't know about you, palm trees aren't, I mean, palm trees are pretty sturdy, but they have a ball at the very bottom of them and it doesn't take much to uproot a palm tree. But they flourish. Cedars, on the other hand, are a whole other story. And they have a strong root system. And they can withstand pretty much anything. So you see that the psalmist, once again, is telling about the godly. He compares them to a tree. This whole verse is a tree comparison out of Jeremiah. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, which true roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. The leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And you see that repetitive nature again from the psalmist to Jeremiah. Notice again that when times get tough in the righteous life, and I want you to see that tonight, church. Notice it says there will be tough times in your life. For anybody that ever tells you that when you come to know Jesus, life is unicorns and rainbows, they've lied to you. He makes it pretty clear that the, the righteous people are not bothered by the heat or they're not worried about long months of drought. In other words, a righteous person understands there's going to be tough times in my life. But if I am planted by the river. And once again, notice that these trees are along the riverbank and their roots that reach deep into the water. We're talking about a river. And he always talks about trees being planted by a river. And guess what? There's also a river we're at in heaven. See how the Bible continues to line up with itself and it correlates that. And of course, you know this one because you've heard it so many times that a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. So when we look back at this passage of scripture, what I want you to understand tonight is that there's two complete healings going on. There's a physical healing and there's a spiritual healing. The man looked around. He said, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. What he's saying is I see righteousness. I see holiness. I see the love and I can see 
the forgiveness of God. And then Jesus places his hand on the man's eyes this time, and then they open up, and then he says, Oh, now I see clearly. You see salvation, you see spiritual healing, you see physical healing. There, there, Jesus didn't have an off day. Jesus wasn't having an off moment. What Jesus was doing, what he wants to do in all of our lives, he wants to heal us spiritually, and he wants to heal us physically. Now, you do have to understand our bodies are meant to die. Eventually, this thing's going to wear out. And I heard a man one time say, you know, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of my body. It's just life. But what we see from this passage tonight is that Jesus always does the first thing. He wants to take care of your spiritual life. Just to prove that, let's look at this. This is what the psalmist says. He forgives all my sins, which is spiritual, and he heals all my diseases, which is physical. Let's go further. Oh, Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed physically. If you save me, I will truly be saved spiritually. Do you see how this is lining up? And this is a good one. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on the mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus went uh, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be couraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. So what happened there? He was healed what? Spiritually. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. So once again, we see spiritual healing. We see physical healing. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such prayer offered in the faith will heal the sick, physical, and the Lord will make you well. And if you commit any sins, you will be forgiven, spiritual. And in just a few minutes, we're going to pray and, we're, and then we're going to be dismissed. And if you need prayer tonight, we want to pray for you. What I want you to see tonight is that the Bible is always true from beginning to end. Every verse in God's word can stand on its own two feet. But every, every verse in the Bible will be interdependent on every other verse. They'll line together. And so here's a story where we see that Jesus lays his hand on a man and it wasn't healed. And then he does it the second time and then he was healed. And people get confused. Why does that happen? It's simple. Because he healed this man spiritually first and then he healed him physically second. And I have shown you from different stories in the Bible, from different verses in the Bible. So now when you read that, you can say, oh, that makes perfect sense. I'm not confused anymore. And when you look at trees, hopefully trees will remind you of your spiritual life. Are you a tree that's producing fruit and you're growing strong and you're thriving? Are you a tree that your leaves are withered because you're lacking water and the bitter cold or the warm heat has killed you? See, a man who walks with the Lord will prosper all the days of his life.
So tonight, know this. God loves you. He likes to heal you spiritually. And he wants to heal you physically. Will you let him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. (laughs) And Lord, I know sometimes it is so confusing when I read it. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make it clear. And so I pray tonight that it has been truly explained crystal clear, Lord, how you want to heal us spiritually and how you want to heal us physically. Father, I thank you that your word never wavers. I thank you that it is true from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the maps in the back. Lord, thank you that there is no contradiction, that there is nothing in your word that is a, that it will always, Lord, be for our benefit. And I thank you for that. I thank you that it doesn't contradict itself. And I pray as we read your word, Lord, that you will illuminate other verses in the Bible to help us see how they all line up together and how they all make a single thread to your very heart. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for healing us. And thank you for growing us and allowing us to be a tree that can be deeply planted in your love and in your word. Once again, I ask for your divine healing on all of our family members that are sick. Lord, be with them, empower them, encourage them, and please bring them back to us quickly and safely. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.